the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. So um, Membership Sunday is, is, a, is a great Sunday, but there's always a little bit of a challenge if you're preaching, because normally at Belmont, if you're preaching, you're given a passage and you're given uh, some notes on the passage. It's not like a script, but some things it might be useful to talk about. And on Membership Sunday, you're given nothing. So you think, what am, what am I going to talk about today? Uh, I guess the clue is in the Sunday, but um, you've just got to pray and you've got to say, Lord, what do you want me to talk about this morning? as we think about being God's people together. And as I started to do that about a month ago, um, I felt that the Lord was directing me in the direction of two ideas. So this is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about walking together, and I want to talk about working together. Okay, so those are going to be our two kind of background themes that we're going to return to. Having settled on those uh, subjects... um, I was really encouraged that as I went on to read and to listen and to think about things over the next few weeks, again and again and again, uh, I seemed to have a confirmation that this was the direction to be going in. And particularly last Sunday, if you were here, um, and if you weren't here or haven't, don't, didn't watch it uh, on YouTube, I'd really encourage you to watch Johnny's sermon from last week uh, when he finished off our Frontline Sunday series. Uh, we heard this quote Uh, from a guy called Mark Green, who's the director of the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. He talks about staying red in a sea of grey. And as Johnny explained last week, it's um, it's about these two graphics. Um, The one on the left represents what we are doing and what we're like when we're gathered as the church. Apparently about 6% of the UK population gather to worship the Lord at least once a month, either in person or online. So that's just where we're kind of top, uh, top left there. We're kind of gathered together as we are today. And then for the rest of the week, which is most of our waking time, let's face it, we're scattered, aren't we? We are uh, in our workplaces. We're in our homes. We're in the places where we uh, enjoy our hobbies and our leisures and our friendships. But we're still followers of Jesus in all of those places. We're still those red dots in a sea of grey. But as Johnny reminded us last week, the problem is if we don't do the gathering bit, then we're going to struggle with the scattered bit. And over time, that lovely, bright vibrancy of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and of living out his life in the places that he's called us to may gradually fade until we're not staying red in a sea of grey. We've just assimilated to the surrounding sea of grey. So it's really important that we gather together to worship the Lord. In person this morning, online, if you're watching right now, we're doing that on DVD. We're doing it in order that we might be effective as we go out. So that was really helpful for me last week. Um, In the course of the week, uh, I was having a look at this book by a guy called Tim Chester. He's written it with one of his colleagues, Steve Timmis. It's called Everyday Church. And it's based on Peter's first letter in the New Testament, which is one of the things that we looked at in some detail last uh, year as a church. Um, And Tim Chester writes this. He says, the weekly gathering, so what we're doing now, The weekly gathering is important for setting a gospel culture 
and a missional vision. So we're, we're encouraging one another so that we might be sent out. But, he says, it cannot achieve all that the New Testament envisions for church life. And I think he's probably right when he says that. And then he goes on to say this. For example, it cannot be a context for the one-anothering of the New Testament. Now, I'm going to come back to that one-anothering in a minute. But um, I'm, I also just want to correct, correct. <laughs> I want to suggest there's a different way that that last sentence could have been written. Um, I love Tim Chester's work. I find him very challenging as a speaker and as a writer. But I just don't agree with that last sentence because I do think that our Sunday gatherings can be and should be contexts for one anothering. I think we should be aiming for that on a Sunday morning. But I do agree, if he'd he'd written it this way anyway, I'd agree, that they don't provide the whole context for the one anothering of the New Testament. I'm sorry, Tim, if you're watching. He, he won't be watching. Um, but yeah, I just think that's a more helpful way of putting it. But what is that one anothering? What's all that about? Well, anybody who's coming into membership this morning will know what it's about because it's part of uh, the materials that we provide when we talk about what it means to be a part of the Belmont church family. Um, there are lots of verses in the New Testament where we're encouraged as followers of Jesus to do things for one another to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, to forgive one another, etc., etc., etc. Loads and loads and loads of them. And I believe that as we walk together and as we work together, that will help us to do that one anothering that we are called on uh, so frequently in the scriptures to practice. Now, I don't know if you noticed at the bottom right of that infographic I showed you a second ago, we had this statistic. It said 60% of those one anothering instructions flow from the pen of the Apostle Paul. Uh, And that's quite interesting because if you think about Paul's history in relation to church, uh, he went on quite a journey. Um, I've no idea what your emotions are about church this morning. Hopefully some of you will be really excited about the idea of church. Some of you might be slightly confused about church. You might be a bit frustrated with church. You could be a bit irritated by church. I I don't know. But I really would be surprised if any of you had the emotions that Paul had about church when he started out. He was initially called Saul. And his his response to the church was to hate it. He hated it. In the uh, Acts of the Apostles in the New Testament of the Bible... Uh, We read the story in Acts chapter 9 of how he was breathing out murderous threats against the followers of Jesus. His job was to go and find Christians, hunt them down, arrest them, put them in prison, and quite possibly see them tortured and killed. And he looked on approvingly when that happened. And one day, Saul was on his way from Jerusalem up to Damascus, modern-day Syria, when all of a sudden there's this blinding light that surrounds him. We're told that he falls to the ground. I presume, as in Caravaggio's painting here, he was on a horse or something. And he hears a voice that says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul was persecuting followers of Jesus, but the voice was the voice of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, who said, why? Why? 
are you persecuting me? And from that moment on, Saul's life is transformed. He realizes that Jesus is the son of God. He is the Messiah. And he falls down and worships him in his life from that point onward. And this is another thing I've, I've just been looking at recently, a book by uh, Megan Hill called A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church. And she says this, reflecting on that experience. She says, we might expect Paul's church story to be all sunshine and hymn sings from that moment on. But instead, new church member Paul went on to experience many of the challenges of life in the local church. And then I'm paraphrasing what she talks about next. He was viewed with incredible scepticism by other church leaders, not surprisingly given his background. His personal character, even the way he looked and the things he taught were attacked by other leaders in the church, uh, those who were false teachers. People deliberately misunderstood what he was about and misrepresented him. He would fall out with people sometimes. He wasn't necessarily the easiest person to get on with, I imagine, in some respects. And sometimes he was just plain disappointed by the church. There's one verse where he's in prison for his faith and he says, everybody has deserted me. Yeah, if anyone knew how disappointing the local church can be, it was the Apostle Paul. And I know my job this morning is to speak positively about the church. I know that. But I also realise that sometimes church isn't great. And I think it's important that we recognise that even on Membership Sunday. It can be disappointing and frustrating and irritating. It can be all of those things. I've known that in my church life. I'm sure anybody who's been in a church for any period of time will know that as well. And yet, and yet, whenever Paul speaks about the church in his writings, he speaks about it with such love, with such conviction, with such compassion and excitement and joy that we know that it's something really important for him. And again, last week, Johnny quoted these words from uh, Sam Albury, church is not Jesus' hobby, it's his marriage. And Paul loves that image of the church as the bride of Christ. So special, so special. So we're going to read a little bit of one of Paul's writings where we just see his love for the church and for individual Christians flow out. So we're going to have a look at the letter to the Romans. We're going to look at the very last chapter of Romans. Romans is the most incredibly rich document in the New Testament, but I love the fact that the last chapter is just a list of names, individual people that Paul loved and were important to him, over 30 different names. Megan is going to read a few of those in a moment to us. Uh, so yes, come up, sorry, Megan. Um, and uh, we will uh, have a look at these words on the screen if you haven't got them in front of you. Thank you. I think I'm slightly less excited that this is a list of names than Paul is. Let's read together. We are in Romans 16. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. 
Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Apenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I'm going to pray for us as Paul continues to speak. Thank you, Lord, for your church, your flawed, imperfect, but beautiful church. I pray that as Paul speaks to us, we would be encouraged by what church can be and challenged by it too that we would be shaped more into what you want church to look like, not just what we want to, Lord. Give us open hearts and open ears. Amen. Megan, thank you. Thank you very much for reading. You you can see why I gave her the reading, right? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's not particularly the names that I want us to focus on this morning. Um, Although, as it happens, I think there are roughly the same number of name checks that Paul gives in his greeting section as the people who've come into membership today, which is which is rather nice. But um, anyway, let's just notice that by the by. Um, I want to I just want to draw our attention to the fact that there are there are at least two kind of subgroups within uh, the list of names. And the first group is the group in orange here. We've got uh, Epen, uh, Epinetus or Epenetus, I don't know how you say that, that's why I asked Megan to read it. We've got Ampliatus and we've got Stachys. What do we know about the re- those guys from the rest of the Bible? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But one thing we know about all of them, they are dear friends of Paul. Paul spent his life travelling around the Mediterranean basin and he needed friends because it must have been lonely for him sometimes. He must have been, I mean, he was beaten up and put in prison and, you know, had terrible experiences happening to him frequently. He needed people to take care of him, to encourage him, to keep him going. And these are just three of his friends in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got that little group. And then we've got three other names, the green ones here. We've got Priscilla and Aquila. We do know a little bit more about those in the New Testament. And we've got Urbanus. But they all have the same characteristic as well. They are Paul's fellow workers in Christ. And I think those two sets together map onto those two big ideas I said we talk about this morning, walking together and working together. So let's think about the first one, first of all. Let's think about walking together. If you go out into the concourse, uh, if you're in the building at the moment, um, you will find at the sort of little desk area copies of this, I, this magazine called Idea. Um, I get one sent to me and I always like to read. I find it very helpful. And in this month's copy or this quarter's copy, there's an article by this guy, Fred Drummond, called What Kind of Follower? And in it, he writes these words. And I was really excited when, uh, when I read this because I thought this is perfect for my talk today. He said, we need each other. That's what Johnny was talking about last week. We need each other. All of us, no matter the stage we're at on our journey, need others to walk with, 
Thank you, Fred. That's, that's exactly the idea I wanted to convey. We need others to walk with. And of course, we're not talking about the church rambling group, although that is a good thing, by the way. And we could have a new, we could do with that being revived at Belmont, I think. Um, but he's talking about the, the way that we accompany each other through life, isn't he? And he says this, we need people to pray and cheer us on. We need those who will ask difficult questions and keep us close to Jesus. We need those people in our lives, each and every one of us, if we're followers of the Lord. And sometimes that can be a bit of a challenge. It can be a bit of a challenge finding those people, and it can be even more of a challenge being those kinds of people. But I think that's what we're called to do if we're followers of Jesus. And I think perhaps the secret is to think small. Normally as in church, we encourage each other to think big, don't we? To be ambitious, to widen our horizons. But on this particular point, I'd encourage us to think small. Because I do feel that probably the most likely place where we're going to find those people who are going to be our dear friends in the Lord. You know, friends are great, but here we're talking about people who are going to be our friends and also are going to be encouraging us specifically in our walk with Christ. I think we're going to find them in our small group settings. So things like home groups and life groups and mentoring relationships. And this morning, if you're in any of those, I would really encourage you to invest in them. Because these are the contexts in which we can really do that one anothering stuff well. And if we're not in those groups, we're going to probably struggle, frankly, to have people who one another us and to find people that we can consistently one another as we walk together in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, This past week, I've had the privilege of spending time uh, with sort of small groups of guys and with uh, one guy on his own, talking about our faith, encouraging one another, challenging one another, praying with one another. And for me, that's been the highlight of my week in terms of my growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're in those relationships, invest in them. If you're not in them, I'd really encourage you to try and find them. Uh, And we can try and help you if we possibly can as a church. Uh, We can put you in a home group if you'd like to be in one. Uh, We can probably try and find you a mentor if you'd like one of those. Life groups, we try and prefer, uh, we we prefer those to to happen just between friends who are at the same age and stage, but we we might be able to help with that as well. If we can, we will. But let's see if we can each be a dear friend in the Lord to somebody else and receive that from somebody else. So that's the uh, the first thing uh, that I wanted to talk about then, walking together. And here's the second idea, working together. It would be a mistake to see those two things as separate because Paul doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. If we kept on with that long list of names that Megan was reading, we would have eventually got to Timothy, Paul describes him as a fellow worker. I think in the version that we've got in the church, it says a co-worker, but it's exactly the same word in the original Greek, a synagos, a fellow worker, a co-worker. Timothy, how how does Paul relate to Timothy? Is he just somebody that he's on a rotor with? Is he just somebody that happens to do a similar job to him? No. This is how Paul describes Timothy in his letter to the Philippians. He says, as a son with his father... Timothy has served with me in the work of the gospel. 
a fellow worker who is also like a spiritual son to him. The two things mesh together very often. So when we think work in the church, let's not think rotors. Let's not think roles. Let's not think responsibilities. All of those things are important, but let's prioritize the relationships that we build through working together for the Lord. Now, when I was, so I took Thursday off to kind of try and get this sermon sorted out in my, in my head. Um, and uh, as I got to sort of midpoint of Thursday afternoon, I got stuck on this whole idea of working because anybody who ever preaches about working in the church knows it's a dangerous subject because often people hear, even if you don't want them to hear it, often people hear, do more, work more, try harder. And it can be quite a, quite a kind of heavy message to hear. Uh, and even if you don't intend it to be that way, it can sometimes feel that way. So I just felt stuck with this. And so I did what I, what I often do on, in the afternoon, because my, my flexibility in working allows me to. I just took some time out. Um, and I had a look at my daily devotional, which for me is Word Live from Scripture Union, just a passage of Scripture with some thoughts and some prayer points and just prayed beforehand, Lord, it would be great if this happened <laughs> to just speak to this issue. That would be so cool. And it was this Thursday, 17th of February, and as I opened the notes uh, from Tony Horsfall, um, guess what he was talking about? He was talking about working together in the church and the community, and he wrote this. What opportunity do you have to serve God in your church and community? Are you doing too little? And I thought, oh, no, it's going to be one of those heavy, I feel rubbish because I'm not doing enough type comments um, so just for a second, I was slightly concerned that the Lord might have uh, uh, taken me down a path I didn't want to go down. Um, but then he completed the sentence, or too much. I thought, okay, okay, cool. He's not going to go down that path at all. Because it's true, we can do too much as well as doing too little. But this is the bit I really want to focus on. Pray that what you do, whatever it is, will be motivated by love and sustained by faith motivated by love and sustained by faith. And I think if we do those things, we won't go far wrong in getting the balance right between the too little on the one hand and the too much on the other. After this service, we're going to have an opportunity actually to find out more about what we do as a church. We're quite a busy church quite a lot of different things going on. It's very difficult to keep tabs on all the different things that go on. So after this service, there's going to be an opportunity for us all to find out more about what goes on in this place. How can we be praying for the work in this place? Is there something that the Lord might be calling us into? Um, well, after today's service, we get an opportunity to find out, if you're in person here, a little bit more about that. So there we are, a bit about working together as well. hope that wasn't too heavy. I hope it's hit the right notes as uh, I hope and pray it will have done. I'm going to finish now by quoting again from, from Megan Hill because she sums up what I want to say about church this morning. Uh, I often wish that I'd, I'd written certain books and 
I wish I'd written this because it's so cool. And I think she's spot on with it. She says this. If I have any maturity in the faith, any authentic spiritual life, any resolve to follow Christ, any experience of his fullness, it is because of the ordinary local church. And in my case, it's because of this local church. I've been a member here for 22 years nearly. You have, you have made such a difference in my life and in my family's life. Bless you. I was overwhelmed almost last week. I think it was last week when we had communion. I just watched people coming up. And I just thought, this is my church family. This is wonderful. These people have parented my children with me. These people have helped me when we've been sick or when we've been going through tough times. This is my church family. It is because men and women whom I might not otherwise have met are committing their lives to helping me become like Christ. That's what church is. People I would not otherwise have met are committing their lives to helping me become more like Christ. For four decades now, respect, Megan, your four decades are making you look a lot better than, uh, than my four decades are. I don't know what your secret is, but I want some of that. Um, for four decades now, I have worshipped and worked alongside those for whom Christ died. And I'm absolutely convinced that I am more of a Christian in the church than I could ever be alone. Amen.